0: Look, look, Ernie, I, I don't want to talk about the this today. I, really, I want to talk about a, a podcast that I have that a friend of mine, his name is Josh Petrie. He coming. He he, he, this boy has been planning a podcast for two damn years. I mean, he's going to go to Great lengths to bring you exclusive material and amazing guests. He even set his wife a kids to Target so he could record it. I mean, that's crazy. So from a top secret location in Charleston, West Virginia, enjoy the Not So Torrible Sports Nerds Podcast. <laughs> Now your host, my daddy, Josh Petrie. (laughs) What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Nerds Podcast, Episode 2. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you to everyone who listened to Episode 1, and I really appreciate all the kind words and messages telling me that you thought it sounded great, and you really appreciate what I'm trying to 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 bring to this area and beyond. So I appreciate you guys so much. I hope you continue to stay with me throughout the future of this podcast. I had the privilege this weekend of going up to Morgantown to cover the WU-Texas Tech game. Uh, As you know, it was a great, great game, a huge win for WU and the program, probably one of the greatest wins of all time. Um, But there's one thing that that really stands out. It's the amount of people that left, and it's getting a lot of attention on social media and things like that for the amount of people that left. It was a 60,000-plus sold-out game, and by the fourth quarter, you had thousands and thousands of people who had already left the game you know, when WVU got down, it's a common occurrence, you know, it happens, it's happened before, but it's really gaining a lot of attention this time, uh, once again, the student section arrived late, left early, this happens all the time, uh, it may sound harsh, but I believe it's time to to really look into reducing the amount of tickets that we give to the student section, because like I mentioned in episode one, you've got a lot of people that would give an arm or a leg to go to Morgantown to watch WVU play ball that just doesn't have the means to, to do so, and you know, I think some of these kids are taking it for granted and they're going to look back and wish when they're working their 9 to 5, they're going to look back and wish maybe they would have stayed for the duration of the game and enjoyed themselves. But this continues to be an issue, so it's really something that, that needs to be looked into. The basis of college football and basketball is really built on the, the college bands and the fans and things like that coming, keeping their butts in the seats, supporting the team win or lose throughout the game, and conducting themselves with, uh, in a professional manner. So, like I said, I think it's something that needs to be looked into. For the game itself, WU overcame the second-largest deficit of 18 points, and we scored 29 unanswered points to, to win this game. Before the game, you seen a scuffle break out between Texas Tech and WU, and anytime you see this, it seems like you're going to see a penalty-filled game. There was 15 penalties in the first half. I don't even know the number in the second half, but it got to a point where it seemed like every play there was a flag being thrown. But... You know this i think this set the tone for the first half referees didn't want the game to get out of hand they wanted to keep control of the game so i believe it took a lot of wind out of ourselves with all these penalties and texas tech had a ton of penalties as well we came out flat we came out with no passion uh we came out soft you know it was it was a three and out to start the game which really took the wind out of ourselves and set the tone for that first half we couldn't get anything going uh you know, I place a little bit of blame on the play calling. I think you can only do so many dives and draws and rely on the deep ball. I think the slants and the short posts and things like that. And the outs, I think, I think those routes work and I I don't know why we kind of got away from those uh, like we did. Um, but Texas tech came in ready to play. They came in losing three straight to W and even like Dana said, in the press conference after the game, it meant a lot to them to get this win. So they really came out, came out ready to play. But, uh, Once again, David Seals and Will Greer had an answer for the opposing team. Uh, This is week in and week out. David Seals has 12 touchdowns already, and he's second only to Stedman Bailey with 25, which really says something for this guy. Everybody knows his story with committing to UC at like 13 years old, coming to WU, leaving WU, coming back, you know, uh, being turned into a wide receiver. This guy, it's halfway through the season, and he's on pace to beat Stedman Bailey's record, as I mentioned, 25. Will Greer stone thrown for 350 yards in every game but one, which he threw for 334 yards. So anytime there's a Heisman discussion, I think you need to give these guys, give these guys a little credit. They maybe need to be in that discussion as of right now. Um, David Seals may not be the best receiver in the world, even though the numbers really show that he's the best in the country right now. But uh, this guy, he may not be the best route runner, but he finds ways to get open. Uh, I do believe he could work on his – Getting to his highest point to catch the ball. He lets a lot of balls come into his body. I think he needs to get his hands out. And he'll learn this. You know, they're really, really, really doing a great job with him, turning him into a wide receiver. Will Greer, you got an NFL talent QB back there. And it's not often that we have that at W of this caliber already, especially for this guy. He's already one of the best quarterbacks, even if the season ended today. I think he's one of the best QBs that we've ever had. Um, you know, like I said, the, the turning point of this game, Karan White, it was his coming out party. You were waiting on him to really have a huge game like he had. I think his touchdown in the back of the end zone and the two-point conversion was a turning point for this game. That that got the crowd into it, you know, the crowd that stayed. I think the ones that left will look back and discuss now that they they missed this uh, with everything that, that got, you know, was going on in this game. Um, like I said, that was a turning point. Um, I seen, I noticed in the fourth quarter Texas Tech when we came back they were they were really trying to drive down the field rather quickly and score points, but a lot of a lot of them were winded. They had the linemen had their hands on their knees and things like that. And our guys were jumping around, had adrenaline, had momentum like the game had just started after we came out flat and things like that at, at the beginning of the game. We, you know, we came out in the fourth quarter like we should have at the beginning of the game. I think I give a lot of credit to Mike Joseph and and uh, his strength and conditioning staff for that. You know, I think that may be under the radar a little bit, but I think you need you need to give him credit. Um, you know, if we lose to Texas Tech, I, I think we may be looking at a six-win season, but I think now that we got the win, I think you're looking at an eight-win season. If we would have lost this game, who knows? We could have went to Baylor and and lost to a winless Baylor team. You just never know, but I think – now that we got this win, I think we're on pace for eight wins and, and a rather decent bowl game. Uh, if we would have lost this game, I think you would have heard Dane's name being on the hot seat as usual, and the, the rumor's starting to fly again. Uh, you know, that's, It seems like that's the case every time the productivity is, is down a little bit. People want to blame Dane. Of course, he is the head coach and, and things like that, but it seems like he's always going to be on the hot seat if we don't have a 10-win season, and, and that shouldn't be the case for what he's done with this program in the five years that he's been there. But uh, when you look at the team, you look at the defense being young. Everybody knows the defense is young. Our offense has all the firepower in the world. But uh, with a young defense, you also look at our two losses. We could easily be 6-0 and right now. A lot of people don't realize this because, you know, with our two losses, our two losses are with a combined 12 points against quality opponents in TCU and Virginia Tech. So that really said something about – this wu ball team with playing from here on out with heart and passion so so we'll have to see what they do but like i said a lot of credit to mike joseph and his staff for this game for you know for the strength and conditioning and it was a huge win for this program we really really needed this win we set up four and two right now we're going into a winless baylor team so we'll see how the season plays out from here okay for the ones that are friends with me on facebook you see my my rant last week about the Cleveland Browns. For the ones that are not familiar with the whole Browns debacle, I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, I don't, you know, the Browns, I don't have a problem with the Browns stadium staff. I don't have the problem with the the players or anything like that. I've said for years that the whole, the Browns problem lies in the front office. Uh, For example, this year, you know, your quarterbacks, you have Hogan, you have uh, Deshaun Kaiser, and whoever the other guy is. Um, You know, didn't want to bring in a veteran QB to mentor these guys. And, you know, now they're sitting at 0-6. They may not win a game this season. Like I said, the problem lies, I've said it for years, I think the problem lies in the front office. They they just can't get things right. Apparently that trickles down to the media relations department. And I say this because I could care less if I ever go back and cover a Cleveland Browns game in my life, you know. By the way, I'm a Cavs fan, so if I go to Cleveland, it'll be for the Cavs. Absolutely love Cleveland, but the whole Browns, what they did is absolutely unacceptable. Um Was granted credentials to cover the Jets and Browns game last week. Had been working to cover the Browns game, you know, trying to cover a Browns game for a while because three and a half hours away, fairly close, I'm known to travel anywhere to cover an event. You know, would like to stay local some. I consider the Browns three and a half hours away. I consider that local, up and back. Got up early on that Sunday, as I always do when I go up and cover places that I've never covered before so I can get there, find parking, find the media tent, um, you know, make my way to the press box and just get in the flow of how everything's working, find everything at that facility. So like I said, I got up early, three and a half hour drive. Good thing I didn't fly to this one. Uh, made my way there, found parking over by the lake. Ask, find the media tent. I get to the media tent. I talk to the guy there. He says, we can't, you know, what organization are you from? So I tell him, he says, we can't find your pass that's not here. Now this is a common occurrence. It's, it's not the first time it's happened. It happens all the time. It's happened at WVU, you know, among a couple other places. Fairly common, not a big deal um text the browns guy the browns guy comes back and says oh you were denied for the jets and browns game and i said no that's absolutely not the case because all this was set in stone i had my two confirmation emails they say approved i wouldn't have made my way here obviously you know if i was denied for this game he says okay let me talk to him again let me see if there's anything i can do This guy sends an intern down and tells me he's sorry for the inconvenience. There's absolutely nothing they can do. Uh, I was, in fact, denied for this week. There must be a glitch in the system because I had sent my Browns guy a picture of the emails that he sent me, and he is saying that they were denied. But the emails, in fact, say approved. Um, So you know, don't want to make a scene, don't want to lose any kind of credentials to the NFL or anything like that. And they're saying there's absolutely nothing they could do. And I'm like, look, this is not my first rodeo. I know that for lesser games, such as Jets and Browns, I know that not a whole lot of local media even come, you know, much less people like me that travel to events like this. And I I know for a fact the game wasn't sold out. So you could, you know, at the very least, put my butt in a seat somewhere and found a way to accommodate me. But the Browns did not try to make this right in any way whatsoever, so, uh, you know, long story short, basically I made my way to Cleveland to eat at the bu- eat lunch at the Harry Buffalo by myself and then just drive back, which was absolutely terrible. You know, six, seven hours round trip drive time, which if you know me, you know I can't stand driving anyways. But it's a good thing as far as time, money, and resources that I didn't fly to this event. But the Browns were not budging, said there's nothing they can do. I called my Cavs guy while I was there, the Cavs were scheduled to play the Wizards at 3.30 that day. Unfortunately, it was in D.C. It wasn't even in Cleveland. I was going to make my time there worthwhile, go cover the Cavs game at 3.30. The Cavs guy could not believe, you know, could not believe that they'd they done this to me. He was like, wow, I can't believe that they, they did not accommodate you at all. So he told me to go above the guy's head and talk to the VP, which, you know, when I got home, I couldn't email from my phone. When I got home, I emailed the Cavs VP from my phone and also emailed the Browns guy, sent him a couple more pictures of where it said approved, told him, this is unacceptable. You know, you guys have got to figure something out and make this right. But they made no effort to do so. could care less that, you know, that I drove and inconvenienced myself with seven hours or whatever it was, drive time to get there, just to eat lunch and drive back. You know, so they gave me the whole the whole spiel about they're going to have some meetings and things like this and they're going to get back with me. basically, you know, I don't I don't care if I ever come back and cover a Cleveland game in my life. I mentioned that. I just don't want this to happen to someone else like it did me that day. Somebody else may come a little farther. I doubt it being Cleveland, but it could happen. Like I said, I'm a cast fan, so not that big of a deal. If I'm in Cleveland, it'll be for the Cavs. But so that was the whole rant with the Browns debacle. Didn't get to cover a game that day. So but it's okay, you know, we'll move on. All right, now it's time for the NFL section of the podcast. Uh, some things I took away from this weekend's NFL games, not only statistically, but, you know, some personal things that I took away uh, that I'll talk a little bit about. New England quarterback Tom Brady passed for 257 yards with two touchdowns in the Patriots' 24-17 win at the New York Jets. Brady, who has 187 career regular season victories, surpassed Pro Football Hall of Famer Brett Favre with 180, 186 and Peyton Manning with 186 for the most regular season victories by starting quarterback in NFL history. And this guy has 212 career wins, including the postseason, the most all-time by a starting QB. Uh, it's kind of refreshing to, you know, in today's NFL to be watching one of the greatest of all time play the game of football. And I think he's slowly creeping his way up to the number one spot. You know, I might catch some flack on that, so people have different opinions, but that's how I feel. He's at least a number two or three right now if he if his career ended right now. This guy continues to do it week in, week out, and wants to play till he's 46, 48 years old, and and he said this. Houston rookie quarterback Deshaun Watson threw three touchdown passes in the Texans' 33-17 win over Cleveland. Watson has thrown at least three touchdown passes in three consecutive games and is the first rookie in NFL history to accomplish this. I think Houston Texans have found their QB. They've been looking for one for a while now. This guy doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't make mistakes. He's got a great internal clock for a QB. And I think he has a lot of longevity in the league as long as he stays healthy. I think they've absolutely found their quarterback. Leonard Fournette running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. This guy has all the size and speed and intangibles that you want out of a running back as long as he stays healthy. He made the comment, took a lot of flack for this comment a while back saying that the NFL was easy. You see week in and week out, he's making the NFL look easy. Jacksonville has a heck of a team, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball as well. So... You know, Leonard Fournette put you in the mind of an Adrian Peterson in his prime, so we'll have to see. Time will tell what he's able to do. Uh, this next one pains my soul. The Atlanta Falcons blew another second-half lead. For anybody who's not an Atlanta Falcons fan, you know that th- that's this is what they're starting to be known for. Um, You know, like I said, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan, a lifelong fan. I've suffered through many 3-13 and 13 seasons, suffered through many second-half uh, leads that, you know, were taken away. And... Want one year last year without doing this and did it in the worst possible time in the Super Bowl, and we all know that story, 28-3 in the third quarter with two minutes to go, had it wrapped up, lost the lead. And it looks like we're back to our old ways with losing two straight, and we've got New England coming up next week and could possibly, after starting out 3-0, go to 3-3. and So I had to endure another 2nd half lead. 20 unanswered points by the Miami Dolphins. They won 20-17 after being down 17-0 on halftime. Uh, like I said, the Browns, I, I spoke about them earlier. They may never win another game. It doesn't matter to me whether they do or not this season. <clears throat> um, the problem I've said for years lies in the front office. You have to bring in a veteran QB to mentor guys like Kaiser and Hogan, but it's not up to me. I could care less. You know their history with NFL quarterbacks. You know, they've had 20 some since 1999 or whatever that number is. Ungodly number of quarterbacks. So uh, that's all I'll say about the Cleveland Browns. Colin Kaepernick, doesn't matter what side of the fence you're on with Colin Kaepernick, he uh, filed a grievance with the NFL uh, for collusion, saying, you know, he pretty much thinks that all the owners conspired against him to to bring him in and hire him as the NFL QB. A lot of people might say, well, maybe he's just not good enough to be hired by an NFL QB. Well, that's absolutely not the case. This guy's long, athletic, has a killer arm. Absolutely no reason why he can't be on an NFL roster somewhere as a second or third string quarterback on someone's team, you know, which... Which brings me to the point of the uh, Green Bay Packers now. Will Green Bay maybe try and bring him in? Green Bay made the, you know, they made the statement over the weekend saying that they have no urge to bring in a veteran QB. Veteran QB, they have all the the confidence in the world in their quarterback Brett Hundley out of UCLA. But Hundley just didn't look that good in that game. But we'll have to see what he does. But, and also one more thing: Will Will Green Bay Packers want to bring in maybe? You know, if Tony Romo wants to leave the booth, Tony Romo's a Wisconsin guy, so will they bring him in? Uh, so we'll have to see as the days go by with that. But personally, I don't think they're going to bring in a veteran QB. I think they will stick with Hunley for a while, for two or three weeks. But then, you know, after that, we'll see. But I think some they're going to have to bring somebody in. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Okay, to the NBA now. Very, very, very intriguing offseason in the NBA. You had a ton of players jumping ships, some on good terms, some on bad terms. Um, you want to, you know, a lot of questions remain to be answered, and will be answered in the next couple, the coming months. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George jumping ship to Oklahoma City. You had D Wade and D Rose coming over to Cleveland. Isaiah Tom- of course, the Isaiah Thomas Kyrie Irving trade. You had Jimmy Butler going to Minnesota, Chris Paul going to Houston. You want to see if these teams can develop that chemistry early. Uh, personally, as far as Carmelo Anthony goes, I think Carmelo Anthony is a chemistry breaker. Uh, if I was a betting man, I would say that. Even with Oklahoma City's super team, I I would say that their win total may decrease this season just because they have Carmelo Anthony on that team. Uh, The Golden State Warriors pretty much made zero changes. Kevin Durant, still the X-Factor there, was brought in, got him a championship. I think you're going to see a rematch of the finals again with Golden State and Cleveland in the finals. Do I think Cleveland has a really, really deep team? I think it's their deepest team ever. Do I think it's enough to to get over the hump this year and win the finals again? No. I think you'll see Golden State Warriors raise the Larry O'Brien trophy again this year. The Cavs are deep, but I think that they like one 6'10", 6'11", 7-foot guy. Uh, they're wanting to move Kevin Love down to the 5. Kevin Love, as you know, he he averaged 26-12, and 23-12, whatever it was in Minnesota. When he came over to Cleveland, he gave up those numbers in order to play for a championship contender. Cleveland uh, wanted to put him out on the perimeter, wanted to keep him on the perimeter. Worked out pretty well, but it, it could work out better. Um, I think anytime he's in the paint, he gets bullied. Uh, when he goes up against guys like DeMarcus Cousins, Andre Drummond, and things like that, I think he's absolutely going to get bullied in the paint. So we'll have to see how that goes. The Cavs are going to start D. Rose because Isaiah Thomas will not be back from his injury until January. His hip injury he will come back in January. So they're going to go with D-, D. Rose starting at point guard. Another question you know, that needs to be answered, Dwayne Wade and LeBron together again in cleveland they have their chemistry but will these guys have chemistry with guys like isaiah thomas Jay crowd or d rose so we'll have to see how that goes but a lot a lot of questions remain in the nba the season gets started tonight with uh kyrie irving coming back to cleveland you want to see how these players will be will they be welcomed will they be booed you know like i said some left on good terms some left on bad so that remains to be seen but the season gets started tonight so i uh, look out for that Okay, that'll wrap up Sports Nerds Podcast Episode 2. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to tune in next week as my guest will be former West Virginia Mountaineer, All American turned Minnesota Viking turned actor Grant Wiley. So be sure and tune in for that, and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much.